بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم In the name of Allah most gracious most merciful Prophet Muhammad more beloved than our own souls part 2 of 3 Al Jum'a magazine Glimpses from his beautiful character while still human, the Messenger of Allah was as close to perfection as a human being can be. In his ordinary life, he ate moderately, drank gracefully, treated his family kindly, his guests generously, his wives lovingly, his companions humbly, the young ones compassionately, and his enemies mercifully. Here are a few glimpses from his exemplary life that show why did the people who came to meet with him or hear of him love and respect him. May peace and blessings be upon him. Unparalleled Generosity The generosity of our beloved Prophet was legendary. Was legendary. No one would ever be turned away from his door empty-handed, so much so that when a man asked him for the long shirt that he was wearing, he took it off and handed it to him. Jabir ibn Abdullah said that he, the Prophet, was never asked for anything to which he said no, Bukhari and Muslim. His young companion Anas ibn Malik reports that no one ever asks a prophet anything in the cause of Islam without him giving it away. A man asked, a man asked the beloved prophet for wealth and received all the cattle between two given mountains. He went back to his people saying, Become Muslims, my people. Become Muslims, my people, for Muhammad gives so generously, like someone who fears no poverty. The pity things of this world meant so little to him that he would give away whatever he could to win over the hearts of short-sighted humans, like many of us, for the sake of Allah. A Bedouin man came to the noblest of all the messengers and pulled at the garment around the Prophet's neck and said rudely, O Muhammad, give me from this wealth of yours that belongs neither to you nor to your father. The devoted companions of the Prophet became upset and grabbed the man. The Prophet asked them to let go of him and took him inside and asked him to take all that he wanted. The man was so pleased, the man was pleased and said words complimenting the Prophet. The Prophet said to him, My companions are upset with you, so as you leave, repeat these words so they may hear them, and thus hold no grudge against you. So the man did. After he left, the Prophet came out and said to them, the likeness of me and this man is that of the owner of a camel that ran away from him. The people ran after it 
and it got only unrulier. The owner asked the people to leave him alone with his animal. Then he took a handful of weed and showed it to the camel, which came willingly to its master. Sirat uh, of Ibn Ishaq Should we not love the man who taught us lessons of such great humanity and magnanimity? May my father and mother be sacrificed for him. Supreme Forbearance The Arabic term for this virtue is Hilm, which means the ability to control oneself at occasions of anger and desperation from saying or doing excessive or unseemly things. On the day of Uhud, the Prophet was injured badly, but instead of invoking doom against his enemy, he prayed to Allah, O Allah, O Allah, pardon my people, for they just don't know. At another occasion, an unruly man said to him, Be just. This distribution of wealth ought to be for God alone. The Prophet said to him, Woe to you! Who would be just if not I? He never sought revenge for a wrong done against his person ever, nor did he ever hit a servant, a child, or a woman. His wife and the mother of the believers, Aisha, reported that I never saw the messenger of Allah seeking revenge for any wrong done to him, so long so long as it was not so long as it was not a violation of Allah's prohibitions nor did he ever hit anyone with his hands, nor did he ever hit a servant or a woman. A Jewish rabbi in Medina, Zayd ibn uh, Sana, came to him to demand repayment of his debt. Zayd ibn Sana. Uh, pulling at the Prophet's garment around his neck, he said with insolence, You people of Banu Abdul Muttalib are always late in repayment. Umar could not bear this insult, so he grabbed the man and rebuked him. The Messenger of Allah gently smiled and said, We both needed something better, O Umar, that you advised me to be quicker in repaying my loans and advised him to ask for it in a better way. The Prophet then returned the man's loan and gave him something extra as a gift. The man, moved by this forbearance and munificence, immediately embraced Islam. Forgiveness and Mercy Allah says, Take to forgiveness, command what is right, but turn away from the ignorant. Surah Al-A'raf, chapter 7, verse 199. The Messenger of Allah asked Gabriel about the meanings of this verse, so he said that he would ask Allah, the all-knowing, the wise. When he returned, he said, O Muhammad, Allah commands you that you treat well those who mistreat you, give to those who deprive you, and forgive those who wrong you. The life of the Messenger of Allah was the most splendid, was the most splendid embodiment of and submission to those commandments of Allah Almighty. What could be a greater and more certain witness 
than that of the creator and master of the universe who witnessed that his messenger was of the noblest morals and manners. In fact, the merciful Lord called his servant a mercy for all the worlds, not just this mortal world. Despite this status, the prophet was the farthest from the self-righteousness, pride, and harshness that sometimes visits those given to worship and religion. His wife Aisha reported that any time the messenger of Allah had to choose between two matters, he chose the easier of them if it did not entail a sinful action. If it was a wrong action, he was the furthest of people from it. The messenger of Allah did not take revenge for himself, but if the limits of Allah were violated, he would then take action for it for Allah. Muwatta and Bukhari. What could be a greater show of forgiveness and mercy than forgiving your enemies whom you have spent a good part of your life trying to win over by preaching and they did not but maltreat you, slander you, hurt you in every possible way and most of all who killed many of your kith and kin. The Prophet's loving and protecting uncle Hamza was killed by the Meccans. The Prophet's helpless companions and devotees were brutalized and even killed. Finally, when his efforts bore no fruit, when his efforts bore no fruit with them except for a handful of devotees, he had to flee from his dear city and take refuge in Medina where the Meccans were still after him with battles and conspiracies. After years of fierce battles, he was finally victorious. His devotion, faith and wisdom by God's grace had brought the Meccans to their knees. Now he came with his innumerable devotees and marched with discipline and humility to the city that had threatened them for so long. No one was humbler, more moved, and more grateful than the Prophet Muhammad. May the peace and blessing be upon him. The fate of the Meccans was in his hands, and no one would have blamed him if he had punished them for all their deeds, but he forgave them all. No blame on you today, may God forgive you, he said, recalling the tradition of the noble prophet Yusuf, who had similarly forgiven his brothers. He forgave his detractors when he had the upper hand, a difficult thing to do indeed, but even more difficult is to forgive when one is weak and, and overpowered. The beloved messenger of Allah showed the same uh, largest uh, showed the same largest and clemency when stones and shoes were being pelted at him along with insults and curses by the mischievous children and slaves of Taif. The leaders of Taif not only rejected his appeal to faith and call to Islam but expelled him in the attempt to humiliate him. But who can humiliate the one Allah has honored among all of creation? in the heavens and on the earth. While trying to take off his shoes now, filled with his blood as he took refuge in a garden from insults and stones, his heart naturally ached and grieved. His beloved wife had died just a few months ago, just a few months before, followed by caring uncle 
followed by his caring uncle Abu Talib who was his last defense in Mecca. He had become a stranger among his own people, a paria, a paria in his own town, hoping that the leaders of Taif, his distant relatives, might see the truth and give him a hand. He traveled to invite them to Islam, but they refused even more vehemently and violently than their cousins in Mecca had. If there were a moment of helplessness and hopelessness in his life, it would have been this. As he himself said to Aisha years later, this was the saddest time of his missionary life. Rejection and mistreatment of Allah's beloved messengers has uh, obliterated the people before. Uh, the angel Gabriel appeared and told him that if he so prayed to God, the valley of life would be crushed in between its two mountains in no time. The mountains were ready to chastise those who so cruelly humiliated and expelled Allah's beloved. Allah's beloved. The messenger of Allah, however, gently rejected the offer, saying, O oh Allah, forgive my people. They just don't know. He said, I only pray that Allah will bring from their progeny those who will uh, worship him alone and not associate anything with him, Bukhari and Muslim. His invocation at this occasion was most heart-rending. O Allah, O Allah, to you I complain of my weakness, helplessness and lowliness and lowliness before men. O Allah, to you I complain of my weakness, helplessness, and lowliness before men. O most merciful, you are the Lord of the weak, and you are my Lord. To whom would you leave my fate? To a stranger who insults me, or an enemy to whom you have given power over me? If you are not angry with me, I care not what happens to me. Your favor alone is my objective. I take refuge in the light of your face by which the darkness is illuminated or is illumined and on which this world and the other depend, lest your anger descend upon me or your wrath light upon me. It is for you to be satisfied until you are well pleased. There is no power and no might save through you. At another occasion, a companion came to the Prophet and said, O Messenger of Allah, the tribe of Daws have reneged on their alliance and disobeyed your commands. Invoke Allah against them. The Prophet, however, went on to pray, O Allah, guide Daws and let them come to us. Bukhari. At another occasion, when he was asked to curse the polytheist, he replied, I was not sent to curse but only as a mercy, Muslim. Understanding and practicing the Sunnah, principles to keep in mind. One, we must separate the authentic Sunnah proved by authentic and well-established traditions and explained properly by the accepted scholars of the Ummah from practices based on unauthentic, weak or fabricated traditions. Various traditions and concepts become popular in different uh, or be, uh, become popular in, in different cultures based on their extra-Islamic influences and slowly work to distort the beautiful and just order of Islam. Two, 
we must understand the priorities in the deen, in the religion, or the way of life, even among the hadith uh, that, e- even among the hadith that are considered authentic, some are more authentic than others, more general than others, more important than others, and more relevant to a given situation than others. And it is for the learned and sincere scholars of the ummah to explain the difference. Three. More importantly, we must understand what is a rule and what is an exception to it in the Prophet's message. Mercy for all Muslims and non-Muslims was the rule of the Prophet, whereas wrath was an exception, peace was the rule, war an exception, leniency the rule, retribution an exception, a beautiful exhortation and winning over of hearts the rule, uh, conflict uh, 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 and winning over of hearts the rule, conflict and exception so peace was the rule war an exception leniency the rule, retribution an exception beautiful exhortation and, and winning over hearts of the rule conflict an exception if we invert this natural order we lose the spirit of the sunnah then only the superficial imitation is left. Four, we must learn and teach the manners and morals, khuluq of the Prophet, may the peace and blessing be upon him, before detailed rules and regulations. Giving da'wah to others becomes self-righteousness and arrogance if we do not have genuine mercy and concern for the recipients of our message. The duty of commanding right and prohibiting wrong is the most prominent sunnah of the prophet but if we do it without wisdom humility and mercy it becomes a source of discord and hatred alhamdulillah that's the end of part two in the al-juma magazine to be continued to part three